Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Kick 360's Tennessee Power Hour is here. Alongside Chad Withrow, I'm Jonathan Hutton, live from the 6th and Peabody Studios with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine. Uh, you can join us here on site. We're located at 6th and Peabody, literally right behind the Music City Center. Uh, Dylan Taylor, Lance Lee making the show happen for us. David Reed, the chairman of the board. And Paul Kuharski joins us from Titans Camp, Titans Practice today where there is big news, league news. Ryan Tannehill, Paul, among those on the COVID-19 reserve list, and John Robinson announced that to the media earlier this morning. Yeah, one of the hottest days, um, not just this camp, but uh, in recent memory, Hut. Um, the, the assistant uh, offensive coaches were available before practice, as was previously scheduled. Um, and afterwards, we were told that John Robinson would be at the podium. We were expecting an update on, on Mike Vrabel. Um, Robinson started off with, with three roster additions and then told us the corresponding moves and buried the lead. Told us to Jeff Swaim, Justin March, Lillard, and Ryan Tannehill were on the, uh, the COVID-19 reserve list. These guys, we don't know. Uh, we, do, we do know that, that, that Tannehill uh, is vaccinated. He told us about that at the beginning of camp, that he was a reluctant vaccinee if that's the right word, um, but that, that he got the vaccination because he couldn't see sacrificing uh, the things he would have had to sacrifice based on the protocols if he wasn't vaccinated. Um, I found that to be good leadership because he couldn't sacrifice eating with guys in the cafeteria, being close to them in meetings and the like. And so like uh, Vrabel himself, who will talk to us via Zoom at 1.30, Tannehill has to get two negative tests in the span of 48 hours in order to be allowed back in. This sounds bad. It, it is bad to a degree, but it's the, t the timing isn't bad, right? He's probably not playing in this game on Saturday night. But to get this over with, um, the thing is, uh, you know, uh, Julio Jones, we saw come back a little bit yesterday. He didn't do anything today except run. Um, but they're finally at a place where maybe these two could meet on the field and do some things and it's logan woodside and matt barkley throwing the passes today though uh, aj brown and julio jones weren't out there but as soon as both of them can be available you want both of them to be available and out there and the titans now have seven guys on the covid reserve list dealing with it this at some level reports are that the titans are testing more guys more frequently now than the vaccinated every two weeks testing um, and again, this is because some guys aren't vaccinated. And so you're worried about the vaccinated guys having it asymptomatically and passing it to the unvaccinated guys. Though John Robinson says they're at 97 or 98 percent between guys who are vaccinated or who have antibodies from having had COVID. Well, can we clarify that uh, uh, if you have antibodies, are you technically vaccinated under the NFL protocol? I do not know about it. That's a great question, what it qualifies as under the 
NFL protocol. I do know under the NFL protocol, if you have had COVID, there is a period of time. Not This isn't just under the NFL protocol. I think this is under medicine. Um, you're advised not to get the, the uh, vaccine for a period of time. It may be six months, if I'm remembering correctly. I know someone who had it, mm -hmm. wanted to be vaccinated, and was advised to wait for whatever period of time. So what you have left over from having COVID um, inoculates you at least to a degree for a period of time after which doctors then advise you to get vaccinated. Um, and that may have been a Titans person. Well, and I, I should also point out that right before camp started across the league, they sent out a memo that said if you had ha if you're a player who had COVID-19 previously, it didn't give the timetable here. I think it was even going back to last year. If you only received one shot of a two dose of the of the, the double vax, if you only JJ. received the first shot, you're considered. No, they, they were talking oh, Moderna oh, or, or, uh, or Pfizer. Pfizer. Uh, if you only received the first shot, you were considered fully <clears throat> vaccinated if you had had COVID-19 in the past. I'm just I'm curious how all these rules mesh together now for the Titans whenever Robinson mentions the 97%, because he's, he's clearly factoring in the antibodies in players, not just those who are fully vaxxed at this point. And that will affect them going into roster cutdown day and, and everything else that's on the horizon. Robinson did address the idea of bringing people in and how vaccinated and unvaccinated would affect him bringing people in. And, and he said the obvious thing, you know, uh, it, it all depends on the urgency of getting someone. You know, if we need somebody right now, obviously uh, we can't endure the wait uh, for somebody to go through an extensive protocol. We're going to need somebody um, that can help us right now. If it's a matter of seeing an attractive person out there that we want to add to our roster and we have time, th then it's less of a factor uh, adding somebody who may not be vaccinated and, and, uh, and going through the protocols that might make us us wait. And I think anybody in the league would be operating in a, in a similar fashion. If you're a guy shopping for a job in the NFL and you're unvaccinated, you're, you're, you know, shooting yourself in the foot, taking away opportunities for yourself. PK joins us from the Titans practice facility. Uh, Paul, it, you mentioned on Tuesday that uh, the media did not take the quote unquote attendance of assistant coaches and that's important because Vrabel is currently sidelined with, with COVID-19 as a vaccinated, double-vaxxed coach. Uh, Schefter tweeted out that at least three players on the Titans COVID-19 reserve list are dealing with the virus that are not just close contacts. And he also said that there are two coaches. I don't know if he's including Vrabel or not. Who, which coaches are there? Who was not there today? Well, Craig Alkerman, the special teams coach, I, I would believe would be one of those coaches. He uh, he's not he was not here today. And I have reason to suspect he was not here Tuesday, though we failed to take attendance. All the offensive position coaches spoke today. All the defensive position coaches spoke Tuesday when I was not here. I accounted for all the defensive position coaches today. I accounted for Jim Schwartz today. So an additional coach would be a second-level assistant, uh, you know, um, uh, an assistant to a position coach, yeah. um, of which there are several. There's an assistant defensive line coach. There's a skill position coach who's technically the assistant wide receivers coach. 
there's an assistant offensive line coach and Mike Sullivan. I did not uh, and was not able to check through that roster with coaches spread out um, and sure. position groups spread out throughout the field. I did the basic checklist. And as far as running practice and the day-to-day operations, was that Schwartz today? I don't really know that it was anybody per se. I, I, I didn't uh, or wasn't able to see if somebody delivered a message to the entire huddle. Uh, but once that entire huddle breaks at the beginning and before that entire huddle is delivered a message at the end, there really is no moment for the head coach uh, during a practice outside of, you know, the way Vrabel weaves himself in and out of things and the way a head coach uh, weaves himself in and out of things. A position coach is running the individual period. And then when you get to uh, seven on seven or offensive line versus defensive line, those things are run by coordinators or position coaches, generally speaking, with the head coach kind of overseeing it or, or uh, being on top of it. And, um, you know, so Vrabel absent that way, but downing and Bowen running those things and the position coaches all in place. You don't, uh, you know, if you're not familiar with what Mike Vrabel does on a daily basis, you don't see some gaping uh, uh, absence. Yeah, Paul, that was going to kind of be my, my question on, on practice without Mike Vrabel. You know, you said you're not seeing a huge absence in terms of how practice is conducted. Is there any change at all with, with how guys respond, with, with how work is getting done? So we'll reconnect with PK oh, coming up in just a so. moment. I mean, that's the last thing. Yeah, we'll reconnect with PK in just a moment uh, as we get the internet uh, set up. Who knows? Maybe they cut Paul's internet out there. Could have. Maybe yeah. they pulled a Tampa. They saw what Tampa did, and they were like, you know, well, let's mimic that. Maybe uh, they're still mad at him for not telling the difference between Elijah Molden and Mackay Sargent. <laughs> I don't know. So they decided to cut his internet. <laughs> maybe he put half a foot over the dotted line at practice oh, that he's not supposed to cross. Maybe. No, no, no. No, no, no. Do not cross that line or we'll cut your internet. Coming up, more from Titans practice straight ahead. The Tennessee Power Hour rolls on on Outkick 360. Hang with us. Tennessee Power Hour rolls on for as long as the Tennessee Titans will allow Paul Koharski to join us from the practice facility. Uh, Lance, hit that music off for us, please. PK joins us from the Titans practice facility. Paul, let's go through a, a few of the, uh, the, the practice uh, observations you made. Uh, offensive line and cohesion. What did you notice up front? Back and form, and Jones is out there some, but you still got shuffling going on. So Raiden's, uh, you know, who's been at right guard throughout most, is now playing some left guard. Uh, Kendall Lamb is back. But they still, uh, you know, don't have anything um, like like the cohesion that you'd like. So and everybody spins it well. You know, Kendall Lamb said, hey, um, it, it's great that I've communicated with so many different guys every time I'm out there. He's got a big brace on his left elbow, by the way. Seems to have re-aggravated an injury. He said he initially suffered in the Browns playoff game against the Chiefs, I believe. Um uh, so, you know, that, yeah, it's good that they're all communicating with a whole bunch of different guys. But one of the things that's been sold is the cohesion of the offensive line with just one new part. Um, and they haven't had those four pieces plus the one new part together in some time. So Saffold wasn't wasn't in the mix with that group today. 
um, and you know, uh, still uh, Nate Davis is, isn't isn't a part of things on a regular basis there, though he reemerged to some degree on on Tuesday. So that cohesion is something that you're looking for too. Uh, you know, in the in the ten day period in the uh, before they get they get rolling for Arizona. And if you've got questions, you can give them to us either in the YouTube chat or on Twitter, and we'll read them off rapid-fire mailbag style to Paul Kuharski. Eccles in the YouTube chat, Paul, wants to know about Dupree and Autry. Eccles. And uh, we love Eccles. <laughs> Eccles. And, 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 what, and what, they, what they're doing right now, basically. Uh, Autry was uh, was out there for some team stuff today. Uh, I saw Taylor Lewan. Uh, Taylor Lewan was very uh, boisterous and noisy today. He was giving it to Sam Thicken. Uh, oh, first time you're kicking since you've uh, had a couple days to get fat and lazy with the job in your pocket and stuff like that. Um, and um, I don't know how much team Dupree did, but I did see him peering in. Um, from a distance on uh, seven on seven stuff, so I think they're all trending up. I think Autry is uh, is back to a good decree degree. Um, so I, I think things are moving in a good direction for everybody there. I think uh, that that's why the COVID stuff's disappointing, right? I mean, I don't think you're getting serious cases of COVID here, particularly for the unvaccinated guys. And you know, Robinson said that for most of these guys, it's you know, two, three days of mild symptoms and, and then you're back. And that's that's the benefit of, of the vaccine, which he was urging everybody to get. Um, but, uh, you know, the missed time at, at a time where other people are coming back from what have been nag- nagging injuries is, is a downer in terms of the, the cohesion in a lot of these spots. And, and one of those one of those places is Dupree and Landry, uh, who's now out, <laughs> you know, so there's another one. We just talked to Landry the other day, and I said, you know, how, how are you doing in terms of that syncing up with Dupree as to what you're doing from opposite sides of the line? And he said, oh, we're getting to that now. You know, we're, we're figuring that stuff out. And boom, Landry's out now, maybe for five, five days, conceivably for more. You know, so they're not getting to it. It's on, on the back burner again. And I believe Bud Dupree went to do conditioning or something during the the team portion of practice today. And I I think Teron Davenport may have tweeted that out. I saw that. At least I think I saw that from Teron. It may have been from someone else. And if so, I apologize. Uh, Paul, Henry knocking off more rust today. Was he a heavy uh, practice player today? He was. He left a little bit early. Um, you know, they were supposed to be done at 11.30. They probably went to 11.40. He was out at 11.25, uh, then had a mask on, you know, and was uh, down to his workout clothes, came back out to, to watch the end. But um, his workload has definitely, you know, gone from, from here to, to there. Uh, and maybe we'll see it go, go there in the practice week before Arizona. Uh, Mike Vrabel's talking at 1.30. I'm kind of curious about, you know, I, I would think Tannehill is a, a no-go in this game, even if he gets two negatives in, in the 48 hours now. And if he's a no-go, I wonder, you know, if there are others who are a no-go a- along with him. Um, because what you would have been looking for is, is work for them yeah. together. So I don't think it enhances the chances of A.J. Brown or Julio Jones. Uh, I also don't think it enhances the chances of A.J. Brown or Julio Jones that they weren't practicing today 
Well, let's let's extend the, the storyline a bit on the field for Saturday. And assuming that Tannehill's not playing, he needs two negative tests within a 48-hour period even being considered to return. Uh, so I, I would venture to say he's not playing Saturday. Uh, and he's among nearly half of the starters across the league who are not expected to get any work in the preseason in, in these games. With that in mind, that puts the backup quarterback job on full display yet again. Uh, in this matchup. What have you seen from them this week? What did you see from them today specifically? And, uh, you know, Barkley and Woodside will be battling it out on Saturday against Chicago. Well, I am uh, confident that Vrabel will give up more of this when he talks. At 1.30, I need to be delicate. In the meantime, I would say that Chad would probably be pleased with the, uh, with the quarterback order today. But that, that Tuesday when I wasn't here for a good chair practice, it might have been reverse. You know, so sure. they're probably uh, alternating what they're what they're doing there, like they alternated their series in in the, in the game. Um, you know, uh, <laughs> O'Hara, the uh, quarterback coach, was talking uh, talking up Barkley. Of course, he said, "Hey, he's a USC guy." You know, so uh, some college connection there that that he appreciates. Um, you know, I think there's more decision going on there than uh, I would have initially expected. I still think it leans Woodside based on their comfort level and the uh, the experience in the system and all of that. But I certainly think that the um, the performance of Barkley has made it more more of a question. Um, there were receivers going to the ground today at a rate that was bad. Um, uh, two two plays in a short order where DBs got receivers to the ground. One of them was Des Fitzpatrick. I think the other one was Mason Kinsey. They, they don't like to see that. That's a bad, bad thing at practice. Enhances the chances of injuries. Everybody screams, stay up, stay up, stay up. So um, that, that was a development in the passing game that wasn't good today. Paul, is it is it safe for me to assume, uh, and I think I think it is, that both quarterbacks are fully vaccinated, the backups, because if not, they would be quarantined right now due to close contacts with Ryan Tannehill because he's positive. He's COVID-19 positive. We know that because he is fully vaccinated and he's not allowed at the facility right now. Um, And, you know, I'm just thinking worst case scenario, what do they do if both of these quarterbacks have an issue with COVID? That's a great question. I mean, there's a little bit of danger in extrapolating some of these things out. That one seems pretty safe, though, Hud, I've got to say. Um, I, also, Barkley came in very quickly. So Barkley would have had to go through some kind of process, right? They signed him and he was in. Yep. Uh, so that suggests that he's vaccinated. Also, Logan Woodside, I have not seen wearing a mask during warm-ups, which he would be if he was unvaccinated. So I don't think we can say it definitively, but I think all the clues point towards both of them being vaccinated. But I would think that John Robinson is working up a contingency right now because obviously uh, Ryan Tannehill being vaccinated didn't prevent this cropping up as an issue for him. Right. And so uh, it's a nervous situation now that you head into a, a game with a ticking clock you know, Vrabel's positive was what, Sunday? And now Tannehill's had a positive on Thursday. You know, what if these guys, if both of them busted a positive on uh, on Saturday, you'd really be screwed if one of them busts a positive 
on Saturday, uh, you'd be down to, to one. And then in an injury situation, you'd really be in trouble. Um, so you might want to scroll through and see who the best available quarterback is out there right now. And uh, he could be on call. The best available vaccinated quarterback is uh, on call right now. He could be, um, you know, on, on high alert. Um, and, and how awkward would that be? I mean, you're trying to get in some meaningful snaps for some guys who really do maybe have their fates um, at least partly attached to what's going to go on in this game. Um, if some fourth string quarterback who hasn't been with the Titans all of this time is handing off and throwing some passes, it's hard to think that anybody's going to have their fate determined by, by what goes on there. In our YouTube chat, Paul, uh, Ewam writes in and wants to know just how legitimate the bubble is for Fitzpatrick right now. And if the fourth rounder doesn't make it, how big of a ding is that on John Robinson? I think it's legitimate. Um, and I think it's a ding, but I, I don't think it's the same level ding as some of the other dings because he's got an alternative, right? So when you draft Isaiah Wilson and that's a zero and you don't have another right tackle, I mean, Dennis Kelly kind of bailed him out in the moment, but it didn't bail him out long term. Marcus Johnson and Chester Rogers are really good. And, you know, I don't know how good you were expecting a fourth round uh, draft pick to be. I wrote about uh, at the time, you know, how many fourth round draft picks had come in and made a significant contribution in their first year. And the answer was at receiver. The answer was hardly any. Mm -hmm. So expectations for him in the first year were minimal as it was. Here's something that um, and I'm going to forget this guy's name. I think it's Nick Lombardi. Um, I think he's a listener of our show. He's a, a follower of mine on Twitter, and uh, I need to write a post off this. He, he had the best proposal for what should happen here. If you have somebody to put on IR, say Reynolds isn't ready, or say you want to go ahead with the you know, hamstring on somebody, I, I don't think you can create it the way you used to be able to create it, but maybe somebody's got a ding. You can cut Chester Rogers or Marcus Johnson because they are – um, Chester Rogers is a four. Marcus Johnson is a five. They will not go through waivers. They do not risk being claimed. You reach a deal with them and their agents. Say you do it with Marcus Johnson. Say, Marcus, we're going to cut you on cut day to get to 53. And we're going to resign you 24 hours later. Let's make a deal right now. We'll bump you up, whatever. We'll give you $5,000, whatever the deal is, right? We love you. We want you here. This is roster manipulation. We'll cut you for 24 hours. We're keeping Josh Reynolds on, on, the, on the roster, obviously. I mean, you could do the same thing with him, but you've got salary stuff there and, and status and the like. 24 hours later, we could put Josh Reynolds on IR. We could put Mason Kinsey on IR if we wanted to keep him. We could, we could do whatever. Robbie said, I'm good till 45. Um, and... Uh, and then you re-sign Marcus Johnson 24 hours later, putting those guys, that guy on IR, you've now won yourself one spot. So they could manipulate in that way. I don't, they're not keeping more than seven. They're keeping six or seven. To me, Des Fitzpatrick's still on the outside seven. Um, and, and I don't think there's a huge risk of somebody like Des Fitzpatrick being claimed on waivers. But if he's claimed on waivers, uh, yeah, I don't think you've lost that one. Paul Koharski joins us for another 10 minutes from, from Titans training camp. And it's not even training camp anymore. It's Titans practice. I should, uh, should qualify that in the setup. Um, 
Paul, what are, I don't know what you can and can't say on who lined up where. Uh, we do know Elijah Molden plays the slot. He's the nickel corner. Um, is Christian Fulton also capable of playing that spot? Or are you noticing more from him there? He talked today, and I asked him, uh, you know, can, can, are you comfortable going to the slot? And he said, I thought this was significant, that, that he's been studying the slot. Um, he's been studying the slot despite not practicing in the slot. So he said he's ready. He's willing. Um, you would expect that, ready and willing. But um, that's smart of him if he's in the playbook looking at slot stuff and, and making sure that he's uh, ahead in that regard if and when they move him there. But how, we've been talking about this for a long time. And as of right now, he's an outside cornerback in terms of how he's been deployed. He and Farley and Jenkins are purely outside guys. Molden and Jackson are purely inside guys. Jackson can play outside the, the way that Fulton can play inside in that he's done it in the past, but he hasn't been asked to do it. Borders is an outside guy. And uh, them not having moved him inside at all for any practice reps, I, I think the die is cast there, or they're super confident in his ability to just shift over once they shift into Arizona mode. But I, I, I don't really see a scenario with the latter. Do you? See, it seems like if you're going to move him in there, you would be at least at least dipping his toe in the water by now. I agree, and I, to me, the, with the way Molden played, until he proves he's not ready, he's he's my guy. Like I, I based on just the he, he got better as that game went on. And look, I, he's playing against who he's playing against. I get that, but the way he played, I see that translating to game day in week one. I, I don't think this is a rookie that you have to wait on. I think you can play him now. Oh, I, I don't either. I, and I mean, I think Chris Jackson's played well. The thing is, I, I mean, I don't think there's an unfair assessment. Chris Jackson is a corner with speed and length who can play in the slot and do good work against some guys. But Elijah Molden is a nickel corner who's, yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, despite the fact that Mike Vrabel has talked about how it's become a more vertical position. And he's right. I mean, I don't disagree with that. But Elijah Molden has that side to side nickel thing that's still a factor what you want is a guy that's got that side to side nickel thing who's fast right that's not chris jackson it's not really elijah molden either but what are you sacrificing are you sacrificing the side to side nickel knack the ability to get up and 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 be on a guy and not lose space immediately or are you sacrificing um the speed and I, I think right now, if you're choosing between the two, I, I think it's a luxury that you have alternatives. You'd love for these two guys to be melded into one guy. But I think if you're choosing, most of the time, you want more of what you saw from Molden in that last game if, if you can get it. And I agree with you. I, I, I don't think there's a lot of reason to doubt that you can get that from him right out of the gate. Now, maybe you're not going to play him every nickel snap. Um, but I, I, I think he's going to be a factor right out of the gate. One other thing about the roster numbers that we were talking about, I would hope the COVID stuff's behind them by the time they're cutting to 53. Yep. Uh, but if it's not, those guys are, are set-asides, right? That COVID reserve list, it, it doesn't count against your 53. And so you might cut down to 53 and get to keep some guys because you have guys on COVID reserve. Then as you add those guys back, you're taking somebody off your 53. Well, if you get to keep somebody like Des Fitzpatrick because of the COVID list, 
the longer a guy's on your 53, the more teams kind of establish what they have, right? All right, this is our roster. We're going forward with this. And five days later, I think you're less likely to make an adjustment to your roster when you're already into game planning for your first game than you were at waiver claim time. And certainly, you know, a week later, you're less, you're, you're less likely. So the longer you can forestall some of those decisions, the better. And, and look, I, I don't want any of the position groups to be affected by COVID-19 or be on that list. And, and you're right, you, they don't count on your 53, but you have to account for those players you don't have. And where they cannot afford to have a hit would be on the interior offensive line. They get some help uh, with Aaron Brewer coming off the non-football injury list today at center, which means Daniel Munyer isn't long for that roster spot uh, for the backup job there. They have depth at tackle. Paul, they don't have much depth on the interior, and, and that's where they, they desperately do not need to be affected by COVID right now. Well, yeah, yeah, you're right. But, I mean, these interior guys are, you know, how COVID uh, – COVID would hurt them for the game, obviously, uh, if interior guys got it. But these guys got to go, a lot of these interior well, that, guys yeah, like you're talking yeah. about. Brewer, we were all holding out hope for, right? Hopefully he picks up where he left off. They liked him a lot. He subbed the game for Saffold. He did very well. He should be able to play center and guard. And there's a, a pure interior offensive lineman. But we've seen Quesenberry play guard, and we know they like him. We've seen uh, Sambrilo. I don't know how much we've seen, but we've heard them say that he plays guard. And so their interior offensive line depth might be tackles. They might be loaded with tackles who can also play guard. And that's certainly better than what we've seen from them fielding backup guards and centers. So that would be just fine. If you've got two starting tackles, uh, let's say let's say Lamb's the starting tackle. So you've got uh, Lawan and Lamb. And then you've also got Raidens, Sambrello, and um, Quesenberry. Quesenberry. Three guys, yep. all of whom can play tackle guard. That, that's really good depth in terms of covering your bases, right? You can go a lot of different directions depending on who goes down. Center is where you got to cover your butt, and that's where Brewer comes in and is, is a big deal. If Brewer's solid as center guard, there's your offensive line group, right? Brewer, Sambrilo, Raidens, and Quesenberry. That's nine. They might only keep eight. And one of those guys on the practice squad, one of the, one of the uh, probably – Quesenberry, I, I would think, but that's it. And all of a sudden, all these worries we've had are about guys that were never going to make the cut and just needed to finish preseason. Yeah, and I, I guess I, I was, I, I am describing more of a worst case scenario for this week than I am the regular season uh, for, yeah. for for main roster. Because look, if, if you lost some of these guys, even even though we don't expect them to make the final roster. If you lose them go, leading up to this game, you're, you're kind of screwed on evaluation, not just of your backup quarterback, because these guys aren't stopping blitzes. Um, and, and they barely are right now with Logan Woodside holding on to the football. And, and on top of that, you, they're trying to evaluate their third string running back. That would also be difficult to do uh, late in this game on Saturday. So I've, I'm just paying attention to certain position groups because it affects other evaluations that, that need to happen on Saturday night. Yeah, there could be some sections of this game that amount to a wash, even yeah. more so if the COVID keeps coming. And, you know, it's weird because, again, if you step back and consider um, the degree of the symptoms that these guys are having and the timetable for returns for most of them, anticipating 
that they, they don't have symptoms for a long time, even if they're out for the 10 days, um, it shouldn't impact the regular season. But it's hard, right, guys, not to hear the echo of the bell from last year's uh, outbreak and the resulting fiasco and feel some of those fears and concerns and, and put them into play. It's mm-hmm. the same, but it's very different. Yes. Um, but that's our most recent experience with it. So it's hard not to feel, uh, feel it's very closely related, even though when we slow down, consider all the things as we've done here, it, it's clearly very different. And just a, just a random thought here as we let you go, Paul. Um, and again, just I'm just brainstorming some worst case scenarios for the regular season because I'm trying to tie into what happened last year and the memo sent out where they actually use the word forfeit if they can tra- trace it back to an unvaccinated player. How far would the NFL's investigation go with Vrabel and how he came about contracting COVID-19? And if the NFL could prove that was through an unvaccinated player and if this were going into week one, what would constitute a quote-unquote outbreak for a team? And how how strict would that policy be be held to by the league if they traced it back to an unvaccinated player coming through the door of the facility that led to all of this? Who knows? Again, I'm just I'm just thinking out loud here as we wrap up. But it's all questions that are worth asking right now because they play on Saturday, but it's, you know, a third preseason game that's meaningless. Meanwhile, you can learn from it going into the regular season. Yeah, and that unvaccinated player would have to be one of the earliest cases who was on a bit slower of a timetable than mm-hmm. Vrabel. And who were the first guys? Zubnar was one of the first guys. He just came in as a free agent. So yep. the presumption would be he's vaccinated, right? Because they weren't waiting on, on him. Who were the other early ones? I'm not remembering off the top of my head. But again, we could keep doing this puzzle and doing this puzzle. Uh, and I don't know if they get to the bottom of where Vrabel got it. Right? Yeah, I don't Teron know if you could, I agree. Re- reported that the people who were out with Ryan Suckup, as of his report yesterday, don't have it. Now, who do we think those people are? I mean, the most likely people are Kern and Ficken and Cox, probably the special teams crew, right? Or I don't know who else Suckup was close with. Kern had COVID last year, if I'm remembering correctly. Brinkley um, did. Arians well, yeah. was I don't know if Arians was pretty accusatory about, you know, suck up definitely getting it from those guys, but you don't know. And if the NFL knows they're not, they're not going to share it. Hopefully the whole thing snuffed out like uh, like a maybe uh, in church. Who knows? Maybe Ackerman was there, you know, the special teams coordinator. I, I don't know. Um, Could you have know, been. Yeah. And, and, and you're saying he's not there at practice today. Paul, uh, appreciate it. Uh, thanks to the Titans for giving you the bonus time out there, too. Seriously. Um, and, yeah. and we'll uh, check in tomorrow. Look forward to the air conditioning tomorrow, boys. Uh, <laughs> right. And stay, stay tuned to Twitter for what Vrabel's got to say in about 45 minutes. Yeah, we will. Paul thanks, Koharski Paul. there uh, checking in on the show uh, from Titans practice, or the news is, among the players, uh, Ryan Tannehill and Harold Landry uh, the two new players added to the COVID-19 list since we left the air yesterday. Vrabel, uh, who remains uh, isolated from the facility, he will address the media today at 1.30 with more information. We'll be staying tuned to that. Uh, coming up, some other headlines as we get you into your Thursday evening. We are live from 6th and Peabody. Chad, we will also be live from 6th and Peabody next week. We're changing times starting next Monday. We'll be live at 2 o'clock Central, 3 p.m. Eastern. 
and then the following week, we're having our fantasy football draft live right here at 6th and Peabody in the arcade. It's going to sneak up on a lot of people. That's why we're saying it over and over again. 2 to 5 Central, 3 to 6 Eastern starting next week. And then next Wednesday night, right here at 6th and Peabody with Old Smokey and Yeehaw, we will have our fantasy football draft party. 11 lucky people, or maybe unlucky, depending on how you look at it, will be invited, will be with us. That's next Wednesday. It's a 14-team league. We're going to have a lot of fun with this. It's going to be in the arcade room here at 6th and Peabody. Big thanks to John Barker and Two Rivers Ford providing our outstanding prizes once again. First place, $1,000 cash. Second place, you get an entire suite for a Nashville Predators game. Third place, a free set of tires. Again, that's next Wednesday, excuse me, two weeks uh, on September September 8th. 8th. September 8th, yes. Next Monday, we change times to 3 to 6 Eastern, 2 to 5 Central. We can also uh, show you when we come back one other graphic, and we can talk a little Tennessee Vols because we are going to be in Knoxville next Thursday and Friday. We'll tell you a little bit more about that. Excited about that straight ahead. Outkick 360 rolls on. Hang with us. Kick 360 live from 6th and Peabody with Chad Withrow. I'm Jonathan Hutton. There are 14 starters across the NFL right now projected for week one who have not and are not expected to play in the preseason. Uh, James Palmer uh, tweeted this earlier, and I found it interesting, the number of, of quarterbacks, starters, 14 of them. Matt Ryan, Lamar Jackson, Josh Allen, Joe Burrow, uh, although I think Burrow may get some snaps this week. Baker Mayfield, Dak Prescott, Aaron Rodgers, Carson Wentz, Derek Carr, Justin Herbert, Matthew Stafford, Daniel Jones, Russell Wilson, and Ryan Tannehill. That is uh, with three preseason games. And that's also coaches knowing, Chad, that they didn't have preseason last year and offenses were scoring at the highest rate we've ever seen across the league. Uh, chances are we'll have more than 14 starters next year who are not getting work in the preseason games. Um, and eventually we'll get down to two preseason games instead of three as they add the, the, the 18th regular season game onto the schedule down the road for, for TV networks and for revenue purposes. Don't need it for starters. That's what we found out a year ago, and that's what we're seeing now. Not really, no. Teams. Even with uh, you know Matthew Stafford's changing teams, you have Matt Ryan has a new offensive play caller in Atlanta – Joe Burrow's coming off injury. I think he's the one who wants to get some work, and you may see that there. Uh, Lamar Jackson has, um, has new receivers to work with in Baltimore. No need to play him in the preseason games. Um, yeah, it, the, the list goes on and on of examples of guys who you can make the reason for the case for playing them, and they'll find a reason to keep them healthy, and I don't blame them for that. Next, next week. It's a big week. Next week. Big week College for the football. show. Uh, to, re, to repeat what we said earlier, starting Monday, we are going to 3 to 6 Eastern, 2 to 5 Central time. So lock that in. Be ready for that. New time starting Monday. Another graphic we're going to show you right now. Next Thursday and Friday, we are doing the show live from Knoxville. Thursday specifically, we're going to be at Uptown Bar and Grill on the Strip. If you've been to games at Tennessee, you know what the strip is. It's Cumberland Avenue, right next to campus, Uptown Bar and Grill. We're going to be there from 3 to 6 Eastern time in Knoxville. If you're headed to the Vols game, stop by, say hello. We're going to have a star-studded guest list swing by and join us 
at Uptown Bar and Grill from 3 to 6. Then we're going to go to the Tennessee game. Then we're going to go back to Uptown Bar and Grill where we are going to throw down with an OutKick after party. If you want to be on the VIP list at this after party, give a donation of $50 plus cash. We'll have uh, the ability to give cash donations on site. Everything going to the Waverly football program. Uh, their program, like everything else in uh, Humphreys County, a lot of things, devastated by that catastrophic flood over the weekend. Show up, $50 plus donation, get you a wristband, get you VIP access, which gets you free drinks that night at the after party. $25 and up, get you an OutKick t-shirt also. Hope a lot of volunteers, showing that volunteer spirit, shows up next Thursday, joins us the broadcast, donates for Waverly football, helps out a great cause. Friday, we're going to announce this either tomorrow or early next week. We'll be somewhere different on Friday in Knoxville, a place we're excited about broadcasting from. Uh, that'll be on Friday for the show. Big week, Hutton, coming up. And also next week, we probably will have another huge show announcement for you. Yep, I believe we will. Back it, at it tomorrow, too, but a for reminder, a Friday edition. That announcement will take place between 3 to 6 Eastern time next week because that's where we change times. That's right. Next Monday, we will be 3 to 6 Eastern across the OutKick network. We are back tomorrow, noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central for OutKick 360. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to OutKick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.